Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, the questions version we do each week. And boy, did the questions thread at Wabash Station warm up. Because football is about here. Or at least the attempt at football. We will see. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, your trio of K-State Sports Knowledge. Folks, if you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, right now is the time to do it. Right now. Football's coming. Our coverage is revving up. We've added another really talented sports writer to our staff and Adam Suderman to help out Ryan Wallace and Ryan Gilbert with recruiting. So we'll have more recruiting coverage than ever. Complete team coverage, game coverage, features, analysis, commentary. We're going to do it all. We're not a one-trick pony out there 50 percent off a go powercat subscription right now to help celebrate 24 7 sports's 10th anniversary they've been in the business 10 years and they're already the market leader because we've got the boss with the balls i don't know if that's a good description of shannon terry he's got balls i'm sure he does he's got children he's gutsy he knows the industry he's the one who built rivals into what it is sold it and now has 24-7 sports, and he is uh, the innovator of this industry. As seen right now during the pandemic when 24-7 sports has actually grown and is at its largest size in VIP memberships at any time in its history. Come join GoPowerCat.com. You're going to love the coverage from D. Scott Fritch and Ryan Wallace, these two guys that are sitting here on Zoom with me, and the rest of the staff, Michael Goins and Suderman and everyone, we're working really hard to get it done for you. And I think you'll like the message board quite a bit. It's a whole different environment than what you might be used to, where people actually talk about sports and don't get personal. It's incredible. Uh, Wabash Station just has been very refreshing for my soul since we moved to 24-7. 50% off. This is the Powercat Questions Podcast, and we're always sponsored by The Fridge and Tanners and The High Low. Please stop in any of those places when you're in Manhattan. And, of course, our main sponsor is The Fridge. I stopped by the other day, a good buddy of mine, who's related to Riley Gates, may I add. His brother is now working there. That's, I can't get away from the Gateses. I just can't. I just, it's, Tyson? No, <laughs> Tyson. Man, I saw vacation photos. Tyson's grown. Tyson's like 5'8 now. Little Tyson's growing up now, Jared. He's taller than Riley. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Maybe he's not that tall. I don't know. He was. He was I didn't see any side by side, but that's probably because Riley didn't want it, that to happen. Oh, brother! But the fridge is awesome. I wheeled in. 
They put booze in my car. I wheeled out. Beautiful thing using that app, paying on the app, and they bring it out to your car. Like I said, we got a ton of questions from Wabash Station this week, and let's just get rolling. Ryan Gilbert's in charge of reading the questions. He's not always good at the actual reading, <laughs> but we give him a candy bar after each episode to reward him like a good boy. Ryan Gilbert, take it away. First question of the podcast from WCAT. This is a new member to the site, so <laughs> welcome, WCAT. What will K-State's record be this year, assuming they play nine conference games and Buffalo? Wow, that's a good one. Uh, I would say six and four. I had them at five and four in the conference. So I, I think uh, I think they would beat Buffalo. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if, that's, if it's Buffalo they play, if it's North Dakota they play. I'll have more on this later um, as we debut a new video feature we're going to have. It's called the Daily Delivery. Zach, I'm just not sure it'll be daily. Yeah, I, I tried to do one yesterday, and then all the news changed by the time I was finished writing the script. And then I waited for kind of finalizing the news, and then the NCAA didn't make any decisions, which is so NCAA. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we're not sure who that 10th opponent will be, but I'm, I'm not thinking they're going to schedule anyone they can't beat. So I'm going to go 6-4, and 5-4 four, and four in the conference. Boy, there's going to be some people around the country – Shocked because their team's been going to bowls at like eight and four, and now they're going to realize, oh, we were only a four-win conference team this whole time, and we've got a losing record at the end of this season that we're playing most or all conference games. Yeah, I think six and four is a good fair target. Five and four in the conference. I, it's hard to think about the schedule now that the schedule can change. Yeah. So. Like, I mean, it's hard to go down and, you know, where, even where the games are going to be played. Who knows if, if that'll change. But, you know, KU, Texas Tech, obviously Buffalo. There's three wins right there. I, like, I'm literally drawing a blank because I just I can't think of well, the schedule. <laughs> it, it gets difficult because now you might go to West Virginia with one game under your belt instead of three. So how does that change things as a team? You know, you don't have a couple decent opponents, North Dakota to warm up with, and and then Buffalo and Vanderbilt. Uh, maybe you had a steam at 3-0 and going into Morgantown, which was what the schedule was. Does that change now? Because the Big 12 kind of dropped a bomb there since kind of leaked out that, hey, uh, we're, we're going to release the schedule in a couple weeks. A couple weeks? I mean <laughs> – now, I was under the understanding that the schedule set. I mean, they, nothing changed here. You're, you're playing all nine teams, but now they want to move some games up into September, which I get. But uh, why is that going to take a couple weeks? That's just crazy to me because the season is like five weeks away now that they're talking about mid-September. Well, I thought I saw on Feinbaum this well. Feinbaum was on first take this morning talking about how the Big 12 might be playing in August. August 28th might be the start. So if we're talking a couple weeks for the schedule to get released, we're, we're, we're basically a couple weeks from, you know, we're three weeks out if, if we're going to start well, August 28th. I think the conference, yeah, you're right. The conference said <clears throat> play starting in mid-September. I meant mid to late September. I thought that meant all play. But apparently now the conference is saying that's league play. They're going to move games up into September Basically, it's not going to shock anyone that neither the Big 12 nor the NCAA is doing a good job of 
communicating a plan. So, I mean, I guess if you play North Dakota, it's already scheduled for September 12th. You just leave it there. Um, uh, it's just such a chaotic mess because people are being – I know they're waiting to get the best information, but at this point you're going. That's what I don't understand. I thought they were waiting to make the decision if they're going to go or not, and everyone's going to go now. They're going to try. They're going to open up camp and see what happens. They're going to play a game or two and see what happens. Set the damn schedule and pick something. Let's go. Gills, what's your record prediction? I'll go six and four with you guys as well. Um, I don't think the the whole three games versus only having one game matters too much. Um, it's a level playing field, you know, around the conference. So, you know, if you're talking about that game at West Virginia, they've only played one game as well. Um, you look at last year when K-State had a really good non-con, won three games and got those jitters out of the way. And then they go crap the bed in Stillwater and then come back up to Manhattan and then get blown out by Baylor. So, you know, I don't really think that those first few games really matter too much. Um, that's just the optimist in me saying that. But I think you look at last year and you look at what's going on around the league, it's it's pretty level field. So I'm confident in six and four, maybe seven and three, um, if they can surprise us yet again like they always do. Very good. From Wizard6294. Besides BYU, Army, et cetera, who would be the best group of five teams to try to schedule and replace the Vandy game? Well, if they could open it up to another group of five teams, you're going to have some limitations there on who you can get. I'm not sure. Has American announced what they're doing? I think there was a report that they're going to do an eight-game conference schedule, and then they'll be allowed to schedule up to four out-of-conference games. Wow. So I think they're letting them play 12. I don't know if that's smart or the right decision but it seems that the american's gonna say hey here's you know here's the requirement basically go do whatever you want to do my choice would probably be tulsa because yeah it's an easy trip for them uh it's a neighboring state so you're seeing like types of uh infection rates probably or one of the texas schools um which seems logical kind of keep it within your signature I have to admit, I'm I'm a little uncertain about Buffalo being the team you bring in from New York State. You know, the reports out of Colorado State, guys, whether, you know, there's some pushback now, but some players and staff feel like they're being pushed to not report COVID symptoms, to try to go ahead and power through it, which is idiotic if true. But this emphasizes why I wanted one team brought in to play the entire conference at BYU. Um, because then everyone has the same opponents. You only have 11 schools to monitor. And you know if it's, you know, who has it and who doesn't. Everyone's doing the same protocols. But now you've got a bunch of non-conference teams and you don't know if they're actually being honest on how they're doing it. And they could spread it right into your team by playing players that are COVID positive. So, but anyhow, Tulsa would probably be my choice. SMU, Rice, someone in there. Um, I'd take any of the Texas teams playing uh, FBS football, you know, in a heartbeat. I would have said Colorado State from the Mountain West, but no, I will take a pass. Tulsa, I'm pretty sure, is playing either OU or OSU. So I think that that would, yeah. that would be an opponent kind of off the table there, unless, you know, they schedule as many games as they want to play. Yeah. But I think, really, if you could choose, pick a team that's not really in an area that's having a significant spike, and I'd say just keep North Dakota on the schedule. 
Yeah. But I mean, you got to hope that FCS doesn't get moved to the spring or get moved elsewhere. Their season gets canceled. Who knows what happens with them? So I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I don't really want to bring in a team from Texas if, you know, based on their cases, but then again, you know, for a month away, obviously that can go down, but I just, I don't know who I would pick. Um, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but UConn's out there. They were an independent as well. Um, that could have been one of those sole teams that you just invite to the conference for a year. But, um, you know, with, with them going independent, this is their first year as being an independent again. Um, you know, they were going to play a whole bunch of power five teams. And since they got essentially kicked out of the power five, I mean, not that they ever were power five, but those doors were closed. Their, their season was essentially canceled for them, which was unfortunate. They, but, were, they were ideal. Well, BYU, first of all, was ideal to invite in because they already have an ESPN contract. You didn't have to worry about your money. Everyone just keeps the money they're getting. But UConn would have been great because they need the games and they would have taken whatever money you wanted to give them. They would have been happy. They would have been ahead of the game to come in and play uh, a Big 12 schedule. Weird to have a Connecticut team, but it's also uh, a team that most everyone could beat. So, I mean, that's nice. Schedule a win. From Wildcat Pilot 88, if you're a Big 12 AD, how are you handling the lone preseason game? Do you schedule a cupcake team to get reps to your depth, or do you go after a better opponent to more thoroughly battle test your team before a conference play starts. I don't overtest my team. You know, I don't want to push them too much. You, uh, like, I wouldn't throw, if now that they have a choice of the non conference schedule, I wouldn't throw BYU on there. I like the fact that they might keep Buffalo. Buffalo seems like, it, from a football standpoint, COVID aside, from a football standpoint, Buffalo seems like the right opponent. It's supposed to be a very good MAC program this season but one you can beat. It'll help prepare you for the Big 12 and get you ready for diving right into conference play. But if you're not ready to play, you're going to be in trouble. You know, if you want to make sure you get the win, you keep North Dakota because that's a pretty shaky FCS team. But again, the NCAA has told the divisions to make their own decisions on uh, when to play their championships in the FCS, half of them have moved to the spring already, and half of them are planning the fall. That This could be really interesting to see how that division votes. I, I would say schedule an easy opponent. Just get a win, first game of the season. Just kind of like if you're warming up for a, a round of golf, you go to the putting green and you just hit a bunch of three and four footers. You know, just easy putts, build that confidence. You may not find some of the problems that you need to find, you know, as early as you'd like, but I think getting a, a good solid win, you know, 60 to seven, 60 to 14, you know, just something just, you know, beat somebody big and get that confidence going, try building some momentum going into conference play. Gil's yeah, your plan? You, Jack, yeah. I mean, I don't think it matters too much at this point. I mean, it's kind of fun to talk about, but I don't see, K-State playing anyone other than Buffalo or North Dakota. So I'm, I, I am with you, Zach, you know, get your, get your jitters out of the way and, and get that easy win. Like we saw last year in the first game from exhausted nihilist regarding non-conference games this year, 
is there really a more complicated scenario than conference teams just buying out the games in which they will lose money and keeping the rest? Well, I don't even think they're going to be buying out games. I think they'll just move them. Like if if they decide not to play Buffalo this season, they'll say, okay, Buffalo, we're playing in 2026 or whatever. They have a, a common opening. I don't – teams will avoid buying out. They don't have money. I mean, that's what this is about. That's why they're trying to play. They don't have the money to be buying out teams. Uh, and there's probably escape clauses in those contracts based on pandemic-type things anyhow. So, I, I mean, I don't think there'll be a, a ton of money going out, and I think that's the reality that a lot of these schools are that rely on the buy games, you know, the, the particularly the FCS teams. They're not going to get paid anyhow. They're just not. I mean, the contract's probably being invalidated because of the pandemic. So, um, but I, I think if K-State plays North Dakota or Buffalo, they'll just move the opponent to another season and be done with it. It won't really affect K-State's budget. I don't know what's going to happen with Vanderbilt, though. I mean, if yeah. they'll even bother rescheduling that or, or try to get Vanderbilt to pay. I uh, I don't know when they'd reschedule it because their schedule's full to the 2030s. So, in terms of yeah. Power 5 opponents. I mean, even even non-Power 5 opponents, K-State's kind of full. I, I mean, I don't think that North Dakota or Buffalo or any of those levels of schools want to push games 10 years in the future that they were trying to get paid for now. I mean, a million dollars in 10 years isn't a million dollars now. So, or, you know, whatever they're paying. I don't know what, the, what those contracts are, but... I just, I think it'll be tough. I think you're going to just see just straight cancels. Uh, as nice as it would be to play Vanderbilt, especially this year, I think DC Shorts guys did a did a spoof of everybody wanted to play Vanderbilt this year in the SEC conference only. But I, I don't know when that game will get replayed, especially with just how jam packed non conference schedule is the next few years for K State. In fact, let's take a look at that in uh, 2021. It's Stanford comes to town, Southern Illinois, Nevada. 22, it's South Dakota, Missouri, Tulane. 23, it's Southeast Missouri, Troy at Missouri. And, man, they are full up. 2024, UT Martin at Tulane, Arizona. Then 2025 is your first opening. Um, I can guarantee you this won't be Vanderbilt. It's Army at and at Arizona with an opening. 26, Washington State and Tulane come to town. 27, you go to Colorado. Now you're seeing a lot of openings. Then it's just a a Power 5 opponent every year. 28, Colorado. 29, go to Washington State. 30 and 31 is Rutgers and at Rutgers. So you would be kicking the can down the road a little bit. You know, the soonest would be 2025 when like a Buffalo could come in or a North Dakota could come in. From Fitz's favorite, Adam K. 63, with UConn canceling their season, could you see them dropping football? Yeah. Yeah. I could see them saying, look, we were losing money on football. We're being student fees are paying a big chunk of it. Or they just go down to FCS. I mean, that that might be more realistic for them just to retreat to FCS. Um, You know, Georgetown plays, I think, Division three football, if I'm correct in that. So, you know, they might want to do that. But, you know, they've got like opponents in Villanova who's FCS. And um, I think that's probably the wisest move for UConn is just to retreat down a level. Um, And I think that decision is being pushed here 
Uh, we're going to see a mass retreat to the FCS maybe um, with what's going on budget-wise right now. And maybe the fact that the pandemic is pushing the Power Five to separate themselves, at least in football, if not all sports, from the NCAA. And if that happens, then all that will be left for the NCAA, really, in football would be the FCS. And I think um, if you're not capable of making the push into the Power Five or whatever it'd be called, separate football entity, then you probably were FCS. And that would include... Everyone, I mean, everyone, Mac, Mountain West, everyone would end up being that level, I would think. I don't think that the NCAA would divide it up two ways at that point. Yeah, I think UConn dropping FCS is probably the most realistic scenario. And I don't even think they've been in FBS for 25 years. They moved up. They did not move up. They moved up to FBS in my lifetime. They, and I think the, the Villanova comparison is perfect. Villanova plays FCS. They make the playoffs quite, quite often, I believe. So I think that that's kind of a good partner team, you know, especially same conference, really. I mean, not football conference, but big East. I think that, that that would be a, a good and probably the most realistic move for them. From purple crown Royale. I'm probably behind the curve here, but will the season be played with or without fans attending? Uh, I guess they're going to have fans in the stands. Um, of some some point, they'll they'll try it. Let's put it that way. They right now the plan probably is to accommodate season ticket holders because they're paying the bill, and particularly suite holders. You know all those levels in which you're kind of accountable for the people inside your suite. Yeah, they'll be in there. I mean, not only have they paid big money to be there, but they're in a contained environment. And if they have someone they don't trust and don't put them in your suite, it's up to you. Now, then if you get to the ticket holders out in the stands, I don't think you'll all be grouped together. I think you will spread out whether they do that with assigned seating or they ask everyone to spread out. I'm not sure. And then any other leftover seats, I think, would accommodate student seating spread out on the student side. I think they're going to go with 40%. We'll see exactly what happens, but they first people to be accommodated will be season ticket holders that have paid already because that's money in the bank. Nobody wants to return. Just seeing how all of the pro leagues that have returned have not had fans in attendance. I know that fan attendance and season tickets are major money drivers for the NCAA and college football. But the fact that there hasn't been an announcement from K state about anything, any plans for fans. And we're, we're a month away. It's August 5th today. We're a month away from September 5th, which is the still currently the set season start point for K state. Obviously that'll probably change here in the coming days, coming weeks. But we don't have a plan. And and Riley County is still banning events over 50 people, yeah. 500 people. I'm not sure what it is. You need a waiver, and all venues close. All venues that have 2,000 or more seats are closed, um, closed to the public to, to come in. So until, until there's more guidance in Riley County, 
Uh, well, I, I can I, show I, you this. Riley County will not ban K-State from having fans if they want to have fans. They, they just won't do it. I mean, that is devastating for the economics yeah. of the community. That is, if Kansas State feels safe enough on their property to have fans, Riley County standing in front of that, every person that does that will be out of office. I mean, they just will be. They might be recalled because that will devastate local business if if you choose not to let people come instead of the university saying we're not comfortable with it. How does that apply to the health director then? I mean, obviously, I think that the health director would say, yeah, I think they would they would change the they would let K-State have fans. But I don't, if, if they were to stand up, I don't know how you get them removed. Well, you do. Making, this is the problem. What we're not yeah. to get political here is we have non-elected officials making laws and passing edicts when they're not elected officials, and I, I don't know that they really have the power to do that. I mean, I've seen cities' health directors saying that people can be arrested and fined. You do not have the authority to do those things. You're not. You're not a lawmaker. It's, it's frustrating to me. I understand the purposes here, but um, government's grabbing a lot of power here that they don't necessarily should they shouldn't probably have. But if elected officials want to say, hey, we're, we're not allowing seating, we're not allowing these things, then I'm all for it. But when just an unelected person makes a law, that's not how America works. Last question of the first half from the Gin. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Look at me go. I have a great idea. How about those of us who had COVID are the only ones who can attend games? What do you think? <laughs> yes, I had it. Absolutely. You should have the green light. You earned it, brother. You earned it. Get in that stadium. Uh, yeah, particularly if you're donating antibodies, which, you know, is still – I'm curious if that really works or not. But if you're – doing that to help out people who do have COVID? Absolutely. But then again, we still don't really know if you're immune or not. We think so. We think so. But I'm I'm not immune to Gills, and I've been exposed to him for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's not a terrible idea. Yeah. But then how much health information do you want to share with entities that are not health entities? True. Um, you know, like... Why? Why should I have to give my medical history up to to somebody to sh- come to a game? Now, I will tell you this: if I came back positive and had antibodies, I would I would say, "Yep, I've had it." Here's I'd carry around a piece of paper. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know how comfortable others are with sharing what what diseases they've had with the public. <laughs> That's like saying you don't want to have your data stolen by China, but then using TikTok. Thank you. Perfect timing. I, no, that's, this is off topic. China, Not, China knows what diseases you've had. They know your, they've got your DNA somewhere, all from having TikTok. I don't know how, but they're sneaky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. During the break, we're going to all watch TikTok so that China can learn everything about us. And probably even learn stuff about my dogs, because that's all my TikTok would be. Stay locked in. The Power Cat Podcast will be right back. 
It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get in and visit our friends at the Fridge. If you're allowed to come to football, you're required to go to the Fridge. You gotta do it. But wear your mask or order on your app and have them bring it out to your car and then head to the parking lot. Hey, folks, don't forget we're having a 50% off sale. If you're a listener to the podcast and not a subscriber, it's time. If you are a subscriber and listening to the podcast, pass it on, man. Just pass it. You've got friends that aren't members of Go Powercat that probably should be. Pass it on. Do us a favor. Pass it on. 50% off. Football's coming, and we're going to cover K-State sports completely. We're not going to be one thing. We're not going to be uh, just kind of going through the motions we're going to cover K-State sports and have an active community. The whole thing is coming at Go Paracat. Get into Tanner's and the high-low when you're in town. Visit them. Uh, they're doing a great job with social distancing, and they have amazing food. I saw Kned made his first high-low visit. And then said he heard about it on GoParacat.com, and some bartender probably went, what, who, where? So, but We pay them money? What? We do. We do. What? Oh. Well, that's that trade account we have. <laughs> Here's some more questions from Wildbass Station. Gills, take it away. From Wizard6294, how shocking and alarming are the Gary Patterson allegations? Zero. Zero. I mean, after reading about what it was, he's got a player that is clearly unhappy about playing time, so he decided to try to out Gary Patterson for using a version of the N-word that isn't the full N-word, but he didn't direct it towards the player. He asked the player to stop using that word in the locker room because it is prohibited. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, I know yeah. I know that some people say you should never say it, but as a boss or a coach, for clarity's sake... You need to be clear with employee or student athlete. You are not allowed to say blank in the locker room. Stop doing it. Oh, you said it. Oh, I'm going to get you fired. This is absurd. Absurd. Come on, people. I mean, I, I understand we all have a little power with social media and we all use it at times. But trying to ruin someone's life because you're not getting enough playing time. He promised me playing time. No, he didn't. He didn't say you could come in and sit on your ass and suck and still start. No coach says that. 
He said you can come in and you're good enough to start. You'll probably start. You got to earn it. And then you're not doing it. You're not doing your work. Man, I, I think this says a lot more about this kid than Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson's a tough coach. He's a tough bird. He always has been. But to say he's racist because he used a word that you were using and he was simply asking you to stop using that word because it is offensive. Come on, man. This is stupid. That's stupid. If I'm Gary Patterson and allowed to, I just kick that kid off the team. You're just being disruptive at this point. To add to your point, Fitz, the fact that players were coming out immediately and disputing it says a lot. When the players immediately defend the coach and the coaching staff, it says a lot. Gary Patterson's taken a lot of transfers. And <clears throat> for every Alex Delton, who's a really good kid, who, who did end up quitting, by the way, but is a really good kid, you're also a lot of transfers are available for other reasons. They got kicked off or they got in bad places. We've seen it at Kansas State. I think Hunter Risen came in because he was dismissed from Michigan State and K-State had problems. You got to be really careful what you bring into your locker room because you pour a little poison in your well. You got poison in your well. It doesn't matter if it's a little or a lot. You still got it there. And this kid uh, sounds like he's ruinous. Uh, I mean, any kid that comes at you like that, uh, man, that's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable what we're doing to people right now. Yeah, you guys couldn't have said it any better right there. Um, I agree. It's a crazy world. That's like 2020 right in a nutshell for you. It's just, it's, we've gone insane. We we're digging up every little thing in someone's past or we're, in the, like in this case, twisting what happened or simply making things up just to get back at people because now you can literally make up stuff and someone should be fired it's just it's it's weirdo world it's it's like uh we've got a bunch of mobs running around deciding who's guilty and who's not instead of any kind of sensible system it's awful from k ned have we reached an era where it is in a coach's best interest to be mic'd, recorded, and save all interactions with players. Okay, Ned, we're getting there, aren't we? We've got to be. I mean, go full Richard Nixon, but don't record things that – I mean, that's the problem. If you're an honest coach, if you're not doing shady stuff, then I don't see why you probably wouldn't record all your team meetings and stuff. I mean, phone calls, that's a little bit more difficult. You have to be in a state where you can record without the other person's knowledge, but um, we're getting there. We're, you know, the problem is you can record everything. Said, well, he didn't record that phone call. You mean the one you just made up? I mean, it's just kind of an endless loop here that we're in. It's just it's insanity. But yeah, uh, it's kind of like uh, maybe coaches should be wearing body cameras, try to protect themselves so they can prove that they didn't hit a kid that maybe they grabbed their face mask to make them look at them, but they didn't assault them like what Jim Levitt went through. And everyone ended up saying, well, he didn't really do what he was accused of, but he still was fired and his career ruined. It's just, it's insane. We're just in weirdo time. Another question from WCAT. Will the big 12 presidents and athletic directors ever have enough guts to stand up to Texas? 
No. No. They won't. <laughs> they won't. They can't. No. They can't. No. Texas is the big fish in a little pond. And until Texas is tired of being the big fish in a little pond, the Big 12 will survive. I don't know if there's any other questions about this, but if, if you're concerned about the Big 12's long-term survivability, Texas is a part of that. And I think all nine other, well, you can throw Oklahoma as being also kind of a big fish there, but they're, they're not Texas. But the other eight schools understand their place in, in the conference, in the market. Yeah. And Texas is there. And that's the cash cow. No pun intended there. Um, <laughs> but good, it was good. It's a really good, a good pun. Um, Crowd of yourself, aren't you? But, mm-hmm. but no, I, I think that Texas, Texas is Texas and they get to run the show until somebody else is making as much money or more money than them. And, and really that's what this conference is about. We can all sit around and me in particular and think expanding is good. But if Texas doesn't want to do it, which they don't, it won't happen. It won't happen because Texas always has that that wild card. Well, we're going to leave. We have our own TV network, and we're just going to leave. And, and it gets tiring. And it gets exhausting. I think a better plan is for selected ADs to sit down with Texas and say, "What can we meet a little bit in the middle? I mean, can we try to? do some things here. I'm going to just say this. I can guarantee you, and it may not have just been Texas, but I can guarantee you that no plan was ever put in place for BYU to join this conference for one year based on BYU's Mormon background. Not that they hate Mormons, but they do strongly disagree with uh, their stance on lesbian gay issues. The Mormon church is very strict on that. And, you know, and I, I don't want to delve into that, but I can guarantee you that uh, BYU will not be a member of a conference any time in the future based on their hard stance on that because it is met with an equally hard stance on equality for lesbian and gay students and athletes and professors and human beings from, from Texas. That stance is right, but, I mean, is it? Above all things, including the health of your conference, maybe maybe you need to get BYU to the table so you can maybe influence them. I don't know. Maybe they'll never change. But if they have no openings about it, which I don't see the Mormon church doing that, then I don't think they'll ever be in a conference. I know the Pac-12 won't have them. That's for sure. Pac-12 wants no religious institutions. I just don't. So I'm betting that that's why that plan never went in place. But my counter to that is then why didn't you look at UConn or Army or even anyone else that's an independent? Army, I get. It's a weird offense. You don't want to schedule that in. (laughs) I mean, you just don't. You get crap beat out of you. Uh, So I don't know. But, I, yeah, Texas Texas runs a conference. And I I wish – I wish there was something else to say about it, but uh, I, I would like a commissioner to try to stand up once in a while, even if it causes them to get fired, but so be it. Next question from KNED. When planning road construction projects, did Manhattan assume students wouldn't return 
and games would be without fans. Dorm move in is going to be a bad joke. Pierre and every block around are gone. There aren't even two ways to get in and out on the bridge. It's horrible. It, this town, it's totally devastated right now. Uh, I mean, Kimball will not be done for football season. Hell, they just finished half of it, and it took them three months. I don't think Kimball will ever be done during football season, as far as I can see, Zach. I remember this happening last year. It seemed like they it took them for basically the entire summer to get one half done. And then once crunch time came around, they were able to figure it out and get it done. So the difference I know is we're, we're, this, this isn't resurfacing. Have you noticed how much lower Kimball is now? They've lowered yeah. it about two feet. So yeah, they've and as of this week, they've switched to driving on the other side. Right. So they'll they'll tear out the other half. And when they did that, just, you know, probably a mile, less than a mile west last summer, I mean, it was kind of the same thing. They, they regraded some stuff. Um, but for most of the summer, it was, you were driving on that one on the old side and then they finally got the new side done. And then they slapped up the new side, the, the second half in a relatively short amount of time compared to how long the first part took. So I don't know if there's a construction science there that, you're able to go quicker once you get half of it done. You're like, oh, we know what we're doing now. We can Maybe. move this along. I, I don't know. Um, but I don't want to say that, you know, I think that it'll 100% be done, but I don't want to, I don't want to make the call now. Yeah. Well, you know, just knowing what happened last year, that looks, they were able to get everything done. But it, it, looks it looks impossible. It looks impossible. It looks impossible because they did lower the level of Kimball quite a bit, which I, so now the old side is, the south side is still there and it's a good, I don't know, at least a foot, if not two feet higher. Probably two feet. Yeah. yeah in some places. And it looks like they've started building a wall around the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so. going to be a nice limestone wall around so the. It's so pretty. Um, yeah. I don't know. College looks like it's about done. College has been gone, folks. You haven't been able to go down college past, like, the soccer baseball stadiums. It's been totally torn yeah. up, um, which has been interesting for me because I live close to Browning. So now all the ambulance traffic has to come down Browning and go in the back way. It's crazy to get to the hospital. So uh, that looks like it'll be done. But the other day, Zach, I, I went up uh, Dickens. I dead into college. And I have to turn right. You can't turn left there. Um, so I turn right, and I'm thinking, I'm going to shoot down Claflin. To oh, get, yeah, yeah. Get across On town. Saturday. Okay, so let's let's recap here. So Kimball uh, is destroyed. Uh, it's down to one lane. Fort Rally Boulevard, they're redoing the, the bridge there by Briggs and the hotel. Uh, so that's down to one lane each direction, and that's a mess. That really mm-hmm. bottlenecks. Points has construction down by the freshman, the – East campus of, of Manhattan High School. Yep. And, of course, Bluemont slash Anderson is limited right now because of the building of the hotel at the edge of Aggieville. Claflin was the only existing road, the main east-west artery in town that was unscathed. So I go to Claflin, and they're resurfacing it, and I have it down yep. to two lanes. Every east-west artery in this town has Lanco closures. It's amazing. I don't know what the planning was. I think with the the pandemic, they kicked some stuff into gear, but they went too far. They went too far. I mean, he, Caden Ed's exactly right. 
dorm move in, any kind of move in, it's going to be a circus in this town. Claflin and Manhattan is still blown up. There's no intersection oh, there. Yeah. You can't take, this is like the fourth or fifth year out of the last six <laughs> that you can't take Manhattan Avenue anywhere. It is a worthless road. It's not even a sidewalk. You can't even go on it. Zach, when you got, when they opened up Manhattan Avenue up on the top of the hill there by what used to be the Baker, Baking Institute. Um, it still is. Just I thought, I thought not as much of, of it. Didn't they go out of business? Nope, they're still around. They just they're they've lowered their the number of like in person classes that they offer. Oh. Like they do a lot of stuff remotely, and they've kind of changed their business plan there. So okay. put up their building. Yeah, yeah. At the top of that hill there, when they got that all done, and it was closed for a good year, did you think what the hell took so long? Because there really isn't that much different. They added some lanes. Yeah. At the top, what took them a year? And now they've closed the lower part of that road. It's, this town's insane with, man. And you have to understand, this town gets a heavy amount of traffic. For a town of its size, with all the stuff that goes on in Manhattan, particularly sporting events, it gets a lot more auto traffic than a typical town of 50,000. It just does. But, oh, my goodness. Oh. I mean, hopefully they're building these roads as, you know, to last, you know, not just the, you know, something that you're not going to do a simple resurface on something, you know, like interstate type grade, you know, when they put the lines in it and it's really nice looking concrete and it takes forever to make, hopefully it's that, that they're, I mean, that's what it looks like they're doing on Kimball. It's not, you know, they're rebuilding the entire road, but yeah, it's it's frustrating for sure, but hopefully these roads last a long time so we're not having construction all in one summer. But I don't know where else you can do construction now. I don't know the next place that needs construction. My house. If the city could come <laughs> by my house and do some stuff, that, like add some flooring, that'd be lovely. I would stop complaining about... Uh, in fact, I will take to Twitter. I will use my power of Twitter to try to blackmail the city into... Adding flooring to my house. Maybe paint it. That'd be nice, too. I'll try to get everyone fired. That's how it works. Another question from KNED. So, are the stripes silver-trimmed or lavender? <laughs> Do we know about the primary pants and helmet? Nope. Nope. To, to fill people in, there's Zach tracked down. Zach, one of the things Zach knows is Nike uniform stuff. I mean, he's kind of like Rain Man. He's talking about uh, what did Zach just take over? I don't know. I can't even templates. Oh my god! You know the templates that Nike uses. For Basically, yeah. So, I mean, how how it works is you know when you design a garment, you know the seams go in one place. You know, it's there's a design to that, and you know you can take your fabric, whatever color it is, for each team. But you sew it the same. So that's K State changed that to what Nike's been using the last three years. They introduced it in the NFL. And, you know, Bill Snyder did not like changing stuff. If he could have something the same for forever, he would. And back when they, so like from 2015 to 2019, they wore the same template. And they only started wearing that in 2015 because the old template wasn't being made anymore by Nike. So they had to switch, but when they switched, it was almost time for a new Nike template. 
that they're wearing now. So it just took them for, you know, a long time to make this, but they've, they've made the power cat on the neckline a little bigger. That's really the main change. And it's white instead of silver. Um, the numbers might look a little bigger. I, I don't know bigger. if it's a different, I think, I think they they're bigger. I don't know if they're necessarily a different font, but I know Kane had mentioned that they looked like the old Snyder 1.0 numbers that they wore on the, on the Russell athletic jerseys before they switched to Nike. I think that it's, it's not that bold. Like that was, those numbers were super bold, like black. Uh, if you understand fonts, I guess, is, yeah. and, and typefaces. But Nerd. I would say that these are, I don't know if they're bolder, but they, they do look bigger. And that's kind of been a recent trend is making those numbers bigger on your, on your jerseys. But then on I the think shoulders or arms that they, they've always had like a silver stripe separating the purple and the white mm -hmm. and then the photo it could be just the photo it could be an illusion it looks like the little stripe in between the purple and white is lavender i think it's the photo i think it's the photo i gene taylor has been pretty emphatic that lavender is not a, the football color basketball can use it other sports might want to use it but football won't so i'd be surprised if it was a lavender stripe I think it's silver, and I think it's just the lighting in the photo. Because if you look at the two fo the photo comparison that I posted, obviously one's in a game, the other one's in a studio, but the studio lighting is just different, and even the purple looks different uh, compared to what you know the, the jersey scholars wearing. I don't think it is. I think it is. I think they've gone to the K State purple, the the actual Panatone color. Boy, we're nerds that uh, K State uses. I, I feel like the jersey's more purple. Bill Snyder liked the like a plum, dark purple, black, um, and I, I think they've gone to the K State purple, which Ron Prince used, by the way. Um, but I think they're they're coming back to it. The reason I don't think that it's changed is because Nike's always the color Nike uses for K State is New Orchid, and I don't think that. And that, like, that's all the stuff that K-State, like fan gears, so, like T-shirts that Nike makes. That purple that you see is specific to K-State. And I think one other Nike school at the time, like maybe Washington. And then I think TCU and LSU are the Nike schools that use a, like one Pantone different than, than K-State. But it's kind of a darker purple. I don't know. Maybe, maybe K-State has changed and we'll, we'll see if it's, if it's lighter on the field. But it would it would be an interesting change if K State did make it, and Nike made it. But I think that the that's just the lighting as far as the the sleeves go. But I would guess that the helmets will stay mostly the same, silver and white. You know, they might change up the striping on them down the center, change the decals on the side, and then probably silver and white pants. Probably the same. I wouldn't. I don't know what else you do. They're not going to do black. They're not going to do. I don't know what other colors. Maybe purple pants. Who knows? Maybe a purple helmet, but I kind of doubt it. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised, but maybe not totally surprised. Um, trying to get something to load here. I'm trying to find the actual color markings, but they the color team color codes. Here we go. Color is Pantone two sixty eight plus. So the CMYK is eighty two one hundred zero twelve, correct. Which that twelve is black. We use as our 
power cap purple, uh, we use 80% cyan, 100% magenta, and 10% yellow and no black. So it gives it a brighter purple. That shows up better on the internet. That's why we do it. Yeah, that's what K-State uses. I'll have to... um, Let me look up the new Orchid Pantone. That's Orchid. At least it might not be new Orchid Pantone, but that's what Nike calls it, new Orchid. Yeah, it's a Nike. See, it's a Nike color is different than the Pantone color. Yeah. We'll see. I hope they're more purple. I hope particularly hope the power cat on the helmet is purple instead of whatever it is. It doesn't even match the uniforms. It is truly a black purple. But if they went lighter on the jerseys, that would be even that'd be the other direction. And they don't change the power cat. That'd be the other direction. It'd be even like further apart. Yeah, they need to get that power cat purple. That's just me. That's me. That's really all that's important. I think we can agree on that. Next question, Gills. We can agree that what I think is the most important, and now we need a new question. From Fullis Nelson, what is your take on some of the Pac-12 players' demands in order to play this season? Well, look, you know, half the demands are not only reasonable, but why demand it that it's going to happen? I mean, the testing will testing in major conferences will be set. You'll be able to opt out of playing and keep your scholarship. All those demands I mean, I don't know what that was about. That's going to happen. Nobody's going to lose their scholarship because they don't feel safe playing. That's that's a lawsuit waiting to happen right there. I mean, that's very simple. But their financial demands are outlandish. To tell a university you have to go back and add in sports that you dropped is what what business is that of yours? And then to on top of that to demand 50% of revenue, uh, what – well, then how the hell are they going to pay for those other sports? It, It is so ignorant to the finances of college sports. Now, do I believe that the cost of living should be greatly adjusted and they should be getting a stipend of some sort? Yeah. 50% of revenue? That means you're you're really a professional at that point. I mean, that's just that's nuts. And by the way, we want the other sports added, but we only get the money. If you only you the sports that generate it will get the money and they didn't they didn't outline whether a walk-on would get the money probably just the scholarship guys so then that creates a whole nother thing uh, and of course that is illegal under title nine probably that you can't do that um only pay male athletes and not female athletes so <clears throat> it's it was it's crazy it's stupid it's uh at some point you're gonna have to say hey you know what here's here's what we're offering uh, you get a scholarship, you get fed, you get great training, uh, you get the adoration of fans, you get a stipend of X amount of dollars a month to help you pay your bills. Um, do I think the NCAA should allow them to give them uh, things like um, more clothing that isn't school-related? Maybe. They should be able to help them out. They should be able to fly them home more often when they need to. I believe in all that. But to actually profit from playing an amateur sport is not what an amateur sport is. And the time is probably coming to say, hey, I know you're the star running back. But if you don't like the deal, then we don't have a deal. Then next guy up. I mean, I, I would encourage everyone that is siding with 
uh, the players in this. So they should get 50% of revenue from college football or TV money, whatever they're asking for. Go ahead and Google Ronald Reagan air traffic controllers. I think that we can agree that an air traffic controller is more important than a running back or a quarterback or a defensive end, even if they're NFL caliber. An air traffic controller lands planes and makes sure they don't run into each other. But when the air traffic controllers ask for too much, they all lost their jobs and new ones came in. And really, there wasn't a great disruption. There there wasn't. We got through it just fine. And a bunch of people lost their opportunity at a really good job. So there we go. Let's look that up yeah. and, and let that be a lesson to you. You go too far in your demands and you end up with zero. Yeah, the the 50%, I think Southpaw, I think it was Southpaw that had a good response to this and one of the, the threads on this, but I mean, 50%, at that point, you're an owner, you know, you have, you need some skin in the game, you know, you've got all these facilities, you know, like w- with the, you know, pro athletes, you know, they are not readily replaceable. I mean, they kind of are, but at the, at the level they get paid at and, and the skill level they're at, no. But 50% for, you know, an 18 year old kid coming out, didn't do anything, you know, to, to have ownership, so to speak. I just, I, the the economics don't work. They would never work. Even if, even if they wanted to do it, if, if everybody wanted to do 50%, I I don't think that it would, it just, it wouldn't work. Even if you wanted to, it just financially collapsed the entire system. Yeah. The, if you wanted 50% and if you agreed to it, you'd be agreeing to 0% because you'd never get that money. It would, it would ruin college sports. You would never play anything ever again. And as, so, as for the people that say, well, you've got a billion dollars in your endowment. First of all, uh, quite often the endowments are separate entities from an athletic department. And I know that an athletic department has an endowment for the Mike Hearn fund. But if I give you $10 million for the Mike Hearn scholarship fund, and I get a tax break because I'm giving it for scholarships and it's earmarked for scholarships, and then you use it to pay athletes or to offset paying athletes, not only have you breached our contract, but you have probably violated federal law because that would that is no longer tax exempt at that point. Um, and I shouldn't have gotten a tax break for it. So most money that goes in, say, if I get money for the KSU Foundation, it is earmarked for the journalism school, uh, vet med, or athletics. And if you cross-pollinate it and start using it in other ways, you have broken a financial contract. And that's not how endowments work. Endowments work not as a a savings account. They live off the interest to ongoing payments to whatever entity they were donated to to pay for future things. Ongoing. It's endowed forever. You don't take out your endowment. That's not how it works. And that's not the obligation the holder of the endowment has to their 
donors. It's just silly. It's silly. There's so much financial ignorance going on right now. It just drives me insane. Yeah, and if you don't like the deal, you don't have to take the deal. Yeah. If you don't like the deal you're getting as a college athlete, you can walk or you can be told to walk when you try taking a ridiculous amount of money. There's plenty of athletes, student athletes in high school that would love to play college athletics, get a free education out of it. Let's put it this way. When, when I hired Ryan Gilbert, I said, Ryan, here's what you're going to get paid an hour. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not going to say because it's illegal. Um, and, uh, you also have to wash my car and, uh, I like foot rubs and you've got to come walk my dogs on a daily basis. He could take it or leave it. He, he took it. Now look, Riley left cause I asked for cuddles and that probably was not <laughs> only inappropriate, but too far. Uh, and I'm not asking Gills for cuddles. And if he doesn't want to do the foot rubs, then he, I'll get someone else. I'm sure there's a student out there desperate enough to work for me if they have to rub my feet. Right, Gills? Correct. Yes, sir. Yes. yes. And uh, um, $3 an hour really goes a long way in Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> Last question of the podcast from Solis Nelson. Should players who opt out this season be able to keep this year's eligibility? That's an NCAA slash conference question. I would hope so. I would hope it's almost like a year of military service or like BYU. uh, You know, BYU has an exemption when you go on Mormon. um, What's it called? A mission. Mission. When you go on a Mormon mission. (laughs) Sorry, I've never been on a mission in my life. Uh, When you go on your mission, your clock stops, your eligibility clock. And thus you are a 25-year-old senior or whatever. Um, I, I hope it's going to be like that. The problem is, is, is uh, then it backs up your scholarships and you're limiting opportunities for incoming freshmen. Then you've got all these players returning and you only have know, 12 spots in your next freshman class. And that limits opportunities for people who had nothing to do with it, who, who weren't even eligible during the pandemic and gets troublesome. It gets, but they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll figure, they'll make it work. And maybe they, Add uh, scholarships for the exemptions. You know, you, instead of 85, you get 87. Or I, don't, I don't know. But since NCAA, we may never know. I think that's, yeah. Just being able to take a sabbatical, you know, for a year and pause your clock. I think that's probably the best, the best option. I don't know how you, you know, you divvy up scholarships. I think, you know, perhaps you just say, okay, you're not on scholarship for this year. You're going to take a year off from, you know, going to school or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how you, how you do the numbers game there, but I'm sure, sure they'll make it work. Gills. Uh, if I go on sabbatical for a year, would you just do everything? Mm, I think Zach would do everything. Okay. It's, it's probably true. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do on a sabbatical, you know, cause people use sabbaticals to like write a book or travel or, you know, do something substantial with their life. I would probably eat cookies. Like what'd you do on your sabbatical? I eat cookies. I like sampled cookies, not, not like fancy cookies, like store-bought cookies and made a top 10 list of cookies over a course of a year. That was my sabbatical. That's the kind of stuff you get at gopirecat.com and it's, 50% off right now. That kind of cookie coverage, you're not going to find anywhere else. 
Seriously, if you're not a subscriber, do it right now. 50% off for a year is amazing. And you'll be in, in the team. You'll get all our VIP coverage. And that'll include a whole lot of recruiting that you're not going to see anywhere else. That's it for the Powercat Questions Podcast. We'll be back later in the week with your overtime. And if you haven't caught up on the life of Fitz, Michael Smith, the incredible K-State receiver and former coach, is this week's topic. And I think it's pretty good. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to the Powercat Questions Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Powercat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.